Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, September 8th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. And hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us tonight. And we have a lot in store for all the listeners and fans out there tonight. Very excited about tonight's show. If you're not excited about football, college, and NFL football after this weekend, then, then I don't know what to tell you because week two, trade was supposed to be a week in college football where nothing happened. But remember on Wednesday night, I, I told you I had a feeling that there was a big upset going to happen. I just didn't know where. But, you know, all of a sudden we have two big upsets in college football. Yeah, Tarvin, I mean, it was uh, supposed to be a dead week in college football, but, you know, it really wasn't. So, uh, the NFL certainly hasn't disappointed today either. So, Tarvin, we got a lot to get into today. Yeah, and, I mean, the NFL week one, Trey, was amazing. And, you know, I, I told people on Facebook today, thanks to Trey, you know, giving me some pointers here, DirecTV has given me free access all year to the Sunday ticket, Trey, with the red zone included, man. So, thanks. Very much for that, and uh, DirecTV, we have to show them some love now. Oh, absolutely, man. So, you know, that's uh, certainly a cool thing they did for you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Trey. Without you, I wouldn't have got it done. But you know what? Our radio show is growing. People want to hear it. They like it. So let's keep it going. But a question for you, Mr. Patterson. Do you like watching the, the Sunday ticket, actually, or do you like watching Red Zone? That's been a debate going back and forth today with some people. Would you rather watch red zone and see all the games, or would you rather pick a couple of games and just watch those back and forth? Well, I think it really depends, but, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Most of the time I'm going to watch red zone. I like to see all the scores. I like to see um, – it gives you a chance to see, you know, who's hot, that kind of stuff. You can see some of the plays that are big plays, whether it's be a turnover or a touchdown. But, obviously, if you really want to go in depth, you need to watch the game film from an entire team. Exactly. I, I like it all. I do record some games now, but that's a great deal. So sign up with DirecTV today if you get a chance. Those guys really take care of you, and they go the extra mile. But, Trey, before we get into our our games that we previewed, the five games, I just want to talk about the NFL, some games overall in general that we didn't talk about on Wednesday night. And let's start off with the New York Jets at home playing the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, everyone – was talking about Tampa Bay winning this game, that the Jets couldn't score, they couldn't beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's a six-point favorite in this game. Are you surprised the Jets pulled off an 18-17 to win against Tampa, or is that really what you were expecting? Well, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people have to be surprised, including me. I mean, you have really a terrible Jets team, I mean, winning a game against a Tampa Bay team that was supposed to have progressed. I mean, they have Josh Freeman, who's supposed to be a much more – um, you know, further along in his career and his progressions and his reads uh, than Geno Smith is. And, and I didn't see that. And I, I think what you really have to be asking yourself if you're a Tampa Bay fan is, you know, is it time to just jettison Freeman and start over? Because maybe see if you can trade him and get a pick or something out of him. Because, Tarvin, i got to tell you, watching that game uh, unfold, uh, just very, very, very disappointed in Freeman's play if you're a Tampa Bay fan and did not like what I saw 
I mean, Geno Smith wasn't great, and let's be honest, Darwin. I think at the end of the game, I felt a lot of, almost like uh, you know, I'm awesome from him on the sidelines. Like, I led my team back, and it's great that he did. But he was very inconsistent, and a good defense uh, is going to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jonathan on our show is a big Tampa fan, and he's, he hates the quarterback situation there. And it's you have to be embarrassed right now if you're Friedman, and, and Geno Smith beats you in his debut. If you're Tampa, where do you go from here, Trey? What do you do now to improve? Because you lose to the Jets. I don't really see it getting any better. Well, I mean, you get a lot, a lot of stuff to look at on film. You got a lot of things that Freeman has to get. I mean, Freeman's got to play better. I mean, you got a good running back. You got good wide receivers in Tampa Bay. I mean, you really can't say that he doesn't have tools and that a quarterback has tools. The defense didn't play all that poorly. I mean, the defense played decent. So, I mean, really, I, I thought it came down to quarterback play and, and play on the corners. Um, and, you know, they really need some better pass rushing. But, I mean, the thing is, Tarvin, I mean, you're right. This could get ugly for Tampa Bay quick. Yeah, and, you know, at least for a week we don't have to hear fire X Ryan, do we, Trey? For a week this guy gets to probably coach football and we don't have to deal with the drama coming out of New York, hear about Sanchez. Right now we can just hear about, you know, the Jets winning that first game and what they do going forward. Very impressed, though, with the Jets' defense. Let's, I mean, we talk about Freeman struggling and that he did in ways, but you have to credit that New York Jets defense for stepping up, rising to the occasion, Trey. That's the biggest part of this game that I took from it is the Jets have a great defense. Well, I mean uh, – Well, good defense, just, good defense. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you say good, I mean, maybe. We'll see. I mean, Tampa's offense is going to struggle mightily this this year, so we'll have to see uh, when they play an offense uh, that was it's a little bit better – I'll tell you, the team that really impressed me, Tarvin, uh, that didn't get a win was the Buffalo Bills and E.J. Manuel, who I was not very high on getting taken in the first round. But I mean, he played like an NFL-caliber quarterback against a good New England secondary, uh, and they really had a position to win that game. Had they been able to make a drive in the fourth quarter and put it away, uh, New England came back and won, Tarvin. But, I mean, for the Bills, I and mean, there's a lot of pieces there that I didn't see in the preseason that I saw today. Yeah, I'm, I'm not impressed with the Bills in the way they're at home. They're playing an, an undermanned, I mean, New England team with a lot of people out. The defense is suspect for New England, and they choked at the end. So, no, I'm not impressed with them. I differ from you there. Look at this. We have 15 first downs for Buffalo, 26 for New England. And then passing first downs, New England at 18, Buffalo at 6. So, I mean, I look at this. E.J. Manuel, was he efficient? Yes, he was efficient in this game. But they should have won. This is a game that – that Buffalo was in the game. Once you see the game unfolding and everything, you see Buffalo had a shot. So I'm kind of disappointed that they lost, but we'll see how the Bills do with E.J. Manuel. I'm still not sold on him just yet. I want to see him play a better defense. But, Trey, we're going to rewind a little bit and go back to Thursday night. You know, the Denver Broncos hosted the Baltimore Ravens, and, and the NFL season got started, I mean, with a bang. Peyton Manning comes out against the defending Super Bowl champions, with a depleted defense, I'll, I'll add that, with seven touchdowns, close to 500 yards straight, is he the number one performer of the week so far? Oh, yeah. I mean, he won the most fantasy matchups. I mean, I, I'm in a number of leagues. Card, and I don't know anybody who has Peyton Manning on their team lost this week. I mean, that, I mean, that, and that's rare that you have one performance that matters that much. I mean, in fact, in one of my leagues, he scored almost 70 points by himself. Uh, so, I mean, Peyton Manning with a record performance, I mean, that defense of uh, Baltimore really showed a lot of gaping holes. But I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. There's not a lot of quarterbacks who could put the ball 
where Peyton Manning did in that game over and over and over again. I mean, he was just precise all game long. Uh, and there's not, I mean, you look at Peyton Manning's play in the film room, and they're going to look at that and not be talking about things to get better. They're going to be talking about how can we duplicate that success. Yeah, I was in, I mean, I was impressed, Trey, with Baltimore in the first half, actually. They looked like the better team. And and then all of a sudden, they went in with a 17-14 lead. They seemed to, to have their offense clicking, and then you have a couple of injuries. And I want to discuss the play where where Denver threw the ball. They're in a hurry-up offense. Let's, let's go ahead and say that. They throw an incomplete pass. It was ruled a catch on the field, but before the coaches could – could buzz it in. Peyton Manning throws like a 40-yard pass down the sideline. They get and then they score a touchdown. And after that play, Trey, it was over. I mean, the wheels fell off for uh, for the Ravens. Do you look at that play and circle it as a play that really changed the game? Well, I mean, I think it mattered. I mean, I think it's one of those plays that mattered. But it's one of those things that if you're if you're you know it, your coach has to stay there. If he thought that you know that play could have gone the other way, they can always call a timeout and give the rest enough time to take a look at it. So, I mean, that comes down to coaching as well. It's a little bit of luck. Yeah, and we'll talk about some more officiating in a few minutes from some of these games that I watched, especially with the San Francisco game coming up. But there, let's touch a couple more games real quick that we didn't really preview. I mean, there was a lot of the Carolina Panthers, Trey, uh, lost 12-7 to against Seattle. Seattle came out and looked like they were, you know, the time difference is huge. That's like playing a 9 o'clock game or a 10 o'clock game in the morning for them. What did you take out of this game with Seattle? Are they are they the team you thought they would be actually just after week one? Looked like they they had some struggles early, but in that second half they really woke up and and took care of Carolina. Well, I mean, Carolina's defense in the preseason, I started thinking, okay, maybe they're better, a lot better than I thought. Uh, Charles Johnson is a is a man playing on the defensive line. He he really wrote, uh, had some havoc that he was wreaking on. Uh, the the offense for Seattle. So, I mean, I think the defense for Carolina is a little better than I thought. I think the offense for Carolina has a lot of struggles still to come. Um, you know, we're looking at Seattle's offense. I mean, they're about what I thought they were going to be. They're still missing a receiver. I mean, Baldwin stepped up today. And you know, Gold Tate had about 51 yards. But they're still missing something. I mean, Sidney Rice really wasn't, really wasn't around. So, they're going to need some more production of receivers to really hit a next level. But I mean, when you're talking about Russell Wilson, he had over 300 yards passing. So, I mean, not a bad debut for a sophomore season. Yeah, I, I think Carolina's offense will be fine. They do have to protect the ball better. I mean, D'Angelo Williams fumbled the ball. Really cost Carolina the game. They were going inside the 10. It had been first and goal. I really think with the momentum, the way they had it, they would have put it in the end zone. Would that have stopped Seattle? I don't know. I mean, you can't look in the future like that and see, but – but I'm telling you, Carolina looks like a better football team in a way. After you think about it and look at it, they do have to uh, play better all around. But the offense was playing against Seattle. Seattle's not a bad defense. They're very aggressive. And Cam Newton today played average. He didn't make mistakes, as many mistakes. But uh, it was just a tough loss. I was pulling for Carolina. I watched that game. But I could just feel it slip. After that fumble, it, it really slipped away, Trey. And very disappointing to see them lose, but we got a lot of football to talk about on our previews. You were, I think, going into it right now, I have one loss in our five prediction. That was the Bengals and Bears waiting on the Cowboys and Giants to finish. Just a heads-up and update, the Giants and Dallas are tied at three, just started the second quarter, and the Dallas has the ball driving. Trey, so far in this game, it's all it's been is turnovers, sloppy play on offense. 
Yeah, I mean, for both teams, I mean, the two turnovers for, for Eli Manning were probably on him. The interception that was returned uh, almost for a touchdown, it was really great um, running play to stop them, and then the defense held for the Cowboys. Uh, I got to be yeah, real impressed with the fact uh, that he actually did that. But that, that interception for Romo with Nile and Romo, uh, you saw the receiver basically try to do a double move when the play was called for a single move. Romo threw off off the off his first cut, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, Terrence Williams, a young player, uh, changing a route like that and the where they were in the field is just a, not a, is a is a really sm- a really move that you don't do. So receivers st- still for Dallas have a lot of growing room. Miles Austin looks okay. We'll see. Dallas is uh, currently driving inside the 40. Dallas right now. is yeah they're dominating this game. They should be up two touchdowns right now, but it's tied at three. Great job by their defense, the Cowboy defense, to hold them. And in the pick'em challenge so far, it looks like it's coming down to Paul Ewing and myself here. If Dallas wins, I'll win the competition this week. If the Giants win, then he wins, Trey. So you better be pulling for Dallas, especially since you picked them anyway, right? Oh, well, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, well, here we go. I mean, we, we, we already talked about the Ravens and Broncos. That was the first game we previewed. The Broncos took care of business. They looked very good here. And the second the second game, the Giants and Cowboys, is currently going on. We'll update you through that. But the game, a real good game today, Trey. The Atlanta Falcons went on the road to play the Saints. And they had their coach back. Drew Brees looked good. And the Saints won. We both picked the Saints. I mean, any surprise in this game, anything that stood out to you when you were watching this game? Well, actually, I think I picked the Falcons, so I think I lost this one. But, yeah, I'll tell you, I think, uh, yeah, I was impressed with the Saints quite a bit. I mean, I thought uh, Atlanta had so much momentum at times in this game, and and the Saints just kept taking it away. Um, And and Steven Jackson and some other players seemed to – to not play very well in the red zone. That was kind of the, some of the Falcons' issues, I thought, was red zone efficiency, um, that they could have get, gotten better. I think Roddy White uh, being banged up showed in this game. I think they probably should have held him out because uh, he was very inefficient route running-wise. He wasn't crisp when he ran his routes. You know, Julio Jones uh, was kind of held, held in check a little bit because of that. I mean, Harry Douglas stepped up, but you know, they were really missing a healthy Roddy White, Tarvin. Yeah, they were. You could tell. But, I mean, look, it's not a surprise, everybody. I don't want the, the Falcons fans out there to, to hit the panic button or anything. You were underdogs in this game. I mean, New Orleans is a team, Trey, I think they can start off early, start off well. But once the season keeps going and going, the defense is going to get more exposed. The injuries happen. I don't think the Saints – I mean, I didn't learn anything new about this by watching this game. I just really think Atlanta – is a better team than New Orleans right now. Even though they lost this game, I picked the Saints to win it just because it was just a perfect storm, really, for them. But looking, it was a very evenly matched game. I mean, the Saints were better on third down. They were close to 50%, where the Falcons were 3-11, and Trey. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at that stat, that's the huge difference right there. 3-11 and and 6-13, and that's huge. And I don't know about the penalties. Do you, are you familiar with how many penalties? I think the Falcons only had two or one or two, I believe. But I do know New Orleans had six penalties in this game, and the turnovers were two to one. Uh, Falcons had two. The Saints had one. So it was a, a pretty even game, wasn't it, Trey, other than the third downs? Yeah, it was a pretty pretty even game. I mean, yeah, first downs were 18 to 18. I mean, rushing yards. Uh, that's where I thought Atlanta would really pull away. But, you know, it was 88 to 78. I think – that was kind of the difference. I mean, the Falcons really 
pass the ball a lot. I mean, the Falcons rushed 88 yards for in 14 rushes. So their their rushing average was 6.3 yards uh, a carry versus Carolina versus the Saints, which is 2.7. So Atlanta ran the ball really well, and I just it, I just feel like they went away from it a little too much. Uh, I think that was part of their issue. I know they were playing down sometimes, but it, it felt like they could have gone back to the run at least in the third yep. or early fourth quarter. So that's I kind of think I kind of think they went away from that a little too early. I totally 100% agree with you. I did watch a lot of that game, fast forward through the commercials, but Steven Jackson had a good game, 77 yards on 11 carries. And, and when you beat the Saints, Trey, it seems like when you upset the Saints at home when you beat them, it's because you ran the football and you controlled the clock. And that's something that, that I was disappointed in. The Saints held the ball for 35 minutes, Trey, 35 minutes, 11 seconds. The Falcons, 24-49. You just imagine if they would have just ran it just a little bit more, they would have caught that time of possession. At the end of the day, I think that's really what cost them. Yeah, I mean, I I think that does. We'll have to see what the Falcons do on on their on their game plan because I mean that's how you beat the Saints. So, I mean, the Saints did exactly what they did under Sean Payton a year like, over a year ago. I mean, they, they they barely ran the ball. They were they did they were inefficient at it, uh, and they threw the ball around with Drew Brees, and that, that's what the Saints do. I mean, Brees thirty five attempts, three fifty seven, and that's what Brees does. Oh. well, the next game, Trey. I mean, I picked the upset in this one. It didn't happen. I thought it was going to happen watching the game. The Chicago Bears at home started off 1-0. and The Bengals, you know, 0-1, 24-21, the Bears. Did you learn anything about the Chicago Bears? Are you more of a believer now after this first game, or is the jury still out, really? Well, I mean, I picked them to win the division. So, I mean, I, I thought this is who I thought they would be. I mean, this was a, this was a toss-up for me. And both these teams actually looked pretty good today. I mean, Dalton had a couple of picks that, that really hurt the Bengals without that. Uh, I, think, I think this is a different uh, different story. Uh, Bernard really impressed me when he was actually in the game, which wasn't a whole lot. Uh, Green Ellis was, was okay um, for the for the Bengals, but, I mean, A.J. Green was a monster. I mean, that's what we thought. Um, and he just looked amazing in this game. And Cutler looked, you know, like we thought. Cutler, was, he was gunslinging out there, 33 attempts, 242. Matt Forte did okay, 19 attempts for 50 yards. And then Brandon Marshall, of course, got his 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, I'm still waiting on that secondary receiver to really step up. I mean, Jeffrey looked okay today, but I really think Marcellus Bennett uh, at a tight end position really gave them sort of a boost to that middle threat. I mean, he only had three receptions, but they were big ones, 49 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so I think that's the difference that, that is really going to help the Bears this, this this year is that better tight end to play. Yeah, exactly, and the the Bears look good. Want to know the Bengals? I'm really just not happy with the way they turned the ball over. It, it really cost them. Andy Dalton with two interceptions, Trey. I mean, that's not the way you want to start the season if you're Andy Dalton. I really thought the Bengals. You know, I think the Bengals are the more talented team right now in the AFC. Honestly, just by besides Denver, of course. But looking at them, Cincinnati should be right there. But it was an even game. You're right. You you did say that. Ask you five minutes later, you probably have a different. Uh, answer who's going to win. That's kind of how where I was in this game, really. I, I don't like taking, you know, road teams early in the season like this. I like the home teams. But, Trey, I'm having to get out of the chat room right now, having some computer issues. So so will you take over uh, the next game here? Yeah, our last game this week was uh, the number one game of the week for the NFL. And it really was, uh, I thought, the number one game. It was an exciting game. Uh, the 49ers were hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Packers actually uh, played a lot better than I thought they would. I thought they would have a lot of issues 
uh, keeping Kaepernick in the sort of in the box. But they really didn't. Kaepernick only had seven rushes for 22 yards. So they had a much better defensive game plan against Kaepernick against the read option. They really were um, were prepared this time around um, versus the playoffs last year to really keep him in check. Now, of course, uh, what they didn't do is stop him from passing, Tarvin. I mean, the kid had 412 <laughs> passing yards and three touchdowns. Are you ready to tell me that keeping Colin Kaepernick was a good idea? Well, I don't know. One game against uh, a crappy defense, I can't really say that yet, Trey. I mean, honestly, I can't say that. I don't I don't look at them as having a great defense or anything. So let's wait and just see Ka- Kaepernick. I'm not sold on him yet, um, especially not playing Green Bay. If I remember some of his best games, they've been against Green Bay. So that's really not saying a lot, Trey. You can't trick me into falling for that one this early. Well, I mean, it, it was a pretty – 400 yards against anybody is a pretty good game, Tarvin. I mean, and Anquan Bolden, people were saying that, you know, without Crabtree, who Kaepernick really relied on a lot last year, especially when it was crunch time on third down, that he was going to struggle to find a new receiver. Well, Anquan Bolden seemed to have stepped up pretty nicely, Tarvin. 13 receptions, 208 yards, and took one to the house. So, Tarvin, I mean, I'm looking at this, and it looks like Michael Crabtree is going to have – Plenty of time to get healthy because Anquan Bolden just filled his shoes. Yeah, and I'm not saying, Trey, I'm not saying the guy's trash or anything right now. I'm just saying I have to see more than one week of these teams play. And if they would have played someone like the Broncos or somebody and he threw for 400 yards, yeah, I would be all over the guy. But, but Anquan Bolden, a huge game, 208 yards. Frank Gore didn't do really, I mean, 21 carries and 44 yards straight. Not really impressed with the running game against Green Bay, but where was Green Bay's running game at, really? Well, Green Bay, back to their same old not being able to run. I mean, Lacey was not efficient, especially in the first half. He found some running room in the second half. I mean, Tarbone, your long run is seven yards, and that's the same as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a problem running the football. I mean, 14 carries, 41 yards. I mean, Green Bay back to having rushing problems. They still can't figure out um, how to break off runs. Lacey wasn't really that great today. Yeah, exactly. And they're talking fantasy football in the chat room, guys, and talking about Sonia Minson had uh, Peyton Manning with 101 points. That's a crazy scoring system, isn't it, Trey? Peyton Manning scored 101 points in your league. <laughs> yes. I'd say, like I said, man, I'd say, he won a lot of games this week. Well, I want to welcome everybody starting to come into the chat room. Thanks for joining us tonight. And an update, Dallas up 6-3, to three, 9 minutes, 26 seconds left in the second quarter over the Giants. The call-in number tonight, 646-716-5564. And we're going to go to the commercial break, and, and we'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, Actionware Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. Trey, before we get into college football, is there anything that you would like to talk on in Major League Baseball right now? And Please mute your phone, please. Well, you know, Major League Baseball, Tarvin, I think right now uh, we're really hitting the, the playoff crunch. But, I mean, there's nothing particular why right now. It's still got a lot, of, a lot to figure out. This is going to come down to the last day, I think, just like it did last year. Yep. 
Uh, just to let Braves fans know, what is it, four in a row they've lost now. Uh, I'd like to see them head into the playoffs in September with some kind of momentum, but I don't know, something about this month, Ray, with Atlanta Braves, it just doesn't mix. It's just not good luck for them. Well, Tarvin, All right. I mean, not, not, not to say yeah. that I told you, Tarvin, but I did warn you that this could happen. I mean, I'm a Braves fan. I know it can happen anytime, but I know they're going to keep the lead. They're not going to lose the division, but still, I mean, a lot of momentum can be lost in September. Um, maybe the Braves peak too early. Maybe they're just not healthy. We're going to see. But, man, yesterday college football, Trey, I, uh, I got to DVR a lot of games and watched them, but I went to Auburn yesterday, and we'll talk about that game later. But, I mean, this was a game – that didn't disappoint, did it? I mean, or, or this week did not disappoint anybody. If you're a college football fan, you went in thinking that that no games were really that good, nobody was going to get upset. I had a feeling in my stomach, Trey, and I told you that Wednesday night that somebody's going to get upset. And you know, for an, a non-eventful you know lineup, really, there's a couple of good games out there. There were some huge upsets in college football. Well, I mean, huge upset. I'm not sure to agree with that. And there were games that, that surprised me. Yeah, there were some upsets for sure. And it wasn't like, you know, Bama went down. I mean, it wasn't, a, it was, you know, there wasn't huge, you know, underdogs winning. I mean, but Miami being Florida, Florida was a big deal. I mean, that was an upset. No. Certainly it shook the college landscape no. a little bit. But. I don't, see, I don't think Florida was an upset. I mean, when I'm talking upsets, I'm talking about uh, a 16-point favorite in Southern California losing at home to a team they usually beat by 50. And in a nobody, I heard nobody predicting. I did call it close. I did. I was concerned for Texas, but nobody picked BYU to beat Texas. That's big upset, in my opinion, because Texas was your Big 12 champion, Trey, and we're going to talk about that. Texas losing to BYU, are they still your Big 12 champion? Well, I mean, I, you know, preseason, yeah, I can't change the in preseason. I think Oklahoma State might be my, my mate who I'd pick right now. Um, uh, but uh, Paul in the chat room said he changes to Baylor. Baylor looks good. I mean, Seastruck actually is, is is pretty darn good. He was on our watch list for Heisman uh, preseason, but uh, I wouldn't change it to Baylor. I would say I'd change uh, it to Oklahoma yeah. State if I had a shot. Yeah, I had Oklahoma State starting with it. But Baylor, Trey, to me, they have zero defense, and, and I like Seastruck too, but I don't think they have what it takes to, to really get through a 12-game schedule. You have to play defense, and that's West Virginia – you know, yesterday, but I want to talk about a game real quick that surprised me, Trey, and, and the Oklahoma Sooners. Is that on our list, Oklahoma? Was yeah, it? that is. Okay, never mind then, never mind on that one. So we're going to go through our list in a minute, but did anything else besides what's on our list, did anything stick out with you uh, during this well, Saturday of football? Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the big one that stuck out, and, and you kind of jumped the gun on the Texas-BYU game, but – uh, that's on our list. But, I mean, the, the one that's not on our list, Tarvin, that, that stuck up on me um, it stuck up on me was, you know, USC was ranked number 25. Um, people were – there were a lot of people on this show, uh, people who called in, tell, Tarvin, to tell us that USC was going to win their division this year and they're going to make the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> I wasn't one of those guys. I picked UCLA and I picked USC to lose, I think, four games. Um I didn't have them losing to Washington State, Tarvin, but I had I had a sneaky suspicion that they were going to lose early, uh, and that you know USC was sort of a paper dragon. So uh, I was a little bit surprised, Tarvin, but also I kind of thought this might happen. Washington State taking down USC ten to seven in USC. 
Yeah, that the most surprising part to me was Washington State held USC to zero offensive touchdowns. That that really surprised me, Trey. And holding Southern Cal to seven points. I watched Washington State in person last weekend, and and I did say on this show that they were a lot. Uh, hold on, just a second. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, I mean, so basically what Tarvin's getting at is, you know, Washington State last week, a team that just kind of struggled against Auburn, and, and they didn't look all that impressive, and they were okay against Auburn, but they certainly didn't give us the indication they can go on the road in back-to-back weeks and then upset a ranked team in USC. Um, Paul says I had USC going 10-2. Hmm. All right, Paul, I'll believe you, but I'll believe you, but um, I swear I had them losing thought, more. But anyway. I, thought, I, thought you had a, I thought you had them 11-1. No, no, no. That's you, Ryan. <laughs> so, um, you know, Tarvin, who knows? We, we, we'll stick with what Paul, Paul's our, our scorekeeper, so maybe uh, maybe he's right. But So I had him going 10 and 2, Tarvin, so I'll, I'll adjust it, 9 and 3 now, I guess. But um, Paul says he could be wrong. But um, I, didn't, I, didn't have, Tarvin, I didn't have 11 and 1 either. Um, I had him two or three losses, but. And they, and they still could, you know, rebound and have a decent season, but I doubt it. But, Trey, when I watched Washington State last weekend, I did see an improved team, you know, a better coach team. But, you know, watching the first game, you don't know whether it's if Auburn's better or if Washington State's better. But I could tell from a 3-9 and team that, that they were more physical and they had a better offensive game plan, it looked like. And they could run the football at times. But – I'm shocked to see them win the game 10 to 7. If it would have been 50 to 45 or something, it wouldn't have shocked me as much. But seeing that score, Trey, at 10 to 7, it really surprised me. But the question I want to ask you, Trey, is how long is Lane Kiffin going to stay here? I've been saying this for years. How long are they going to keep making the mistake and leaving this guy on the sideline? I mean, you lose to Washington State. It's time to start start making some changes. Well, I mean, how, how interesting is this? And I, I heard this um, on Twitter, and this is something that I actually thought about, was, Tarvin, I mean, how crazy – I mean, you talk about the best jobs in, in college football, and Texas and USC are up there. They're in the pantheon of great places that any coach might want to coach. How crazy is it that two of them – and I'm calling it right now, Tarvin – two of them are going to be open this year, Texas – and USC. So, I mean, Tarvin, so the answer is not very much longer. Uh, I think that they will get rid of him, but win is an issue of when they they can get the best coach in. So, um, but that's crazy, Tarvin, that both USC and uh, Texas could be looking for coaches this year. Oh, they're going to be looking for coaches. And I I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if it happens during the season. But there's an Oregon Duck fan on hold. He's a little early tonight, but he wants to talk about this Pac-12 game. Jason Humphrey, welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Thanks for joining. Hey, Ryan. I think Trade called me out. Um, I'm one of those people that had USC winning the South. Um, I've been along before, and I'm definitely along now. USC has the best corner-court wide receiver in the nation, and they can't get him the ball. I don't know what's going on, or Washington State played a good defense, or what? USC right now cannot move the ball a lick. It's the quarterback, no. man. It's the quarterback. And, it, you know, ever yeah. since their, their championship days, I mean, they had Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, uh, yep. Bo- Booty, Sanchez. They had a, a, and Barkley, and all of a sudden – 
USC's in a position they don't know what it's like to be in. Uh, Humphrey, oh, they don't yeah, have a quarterback. Sure. I think they're in deep trouble because defense has been their problem in depth in the past, but now all of a sudden they can't score points. So this could be a total disaster this season. I mean, this is a bad enough team. If they don't find some answers on offense, Jason, they're not going to make a bowl game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with the Washington after Washington last night because the thing is, that USC defense didn't give up a touchdown. It was a pick six the other way that the offense gave up and whatnot. So I think USC's in the trouble. Um, I told my wife I wouldn't be surprised if Landon Kiffin's fired, and they should be. But I think Pat Hayden is too in love with Landon Kiffin. I think I think he I think I think he might have something going on with his wife, and if he gets rid of Lane Kiffin, his wife leaves. What do you think? What? Huh? <laughs> huh? I think I think Hayden's in love with his wife, Jason, and maybe uh, he don't yeah, want to fire. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because it's it's with USC. I I really want to get um Avery's point on this and why not? So I I don't know. Avery's probably in a room, uh, you know, with sitting there with a rope tied to the ceiling probably. But thanks for the call, Humphrey, and I'll leave you on uh, when we get back to the Oregon Ducks, and I'll bring you on when we talk about that. Uh, Trey, is Washington State a team that could possibly make a bowl this year, or is this probably the last you'll see of them this year in the Pac-12? You know, uh, possibly making a bowl, you put it in those terms, possibly. I still think that they are – a five to six wins, you know, team. I mean, so they can get six. They may even get to a bowl game. But there's a lot of teams that are really good in the Pac-12. They're going to be. They're going to start drumming some people. I mean, you got Oregon, Stanford, US, uh, UCLA, excuse me, who are all going to be really hard to beat. And oh, by the way, Washington looked pretty darn good too, and they've been recruiting really well. So I mean, you know, for Washington State, it's still on the very bottom end of the Pac-12. They're not bottom end where Utah is, but they're bottom end. Yeah, and um, just looking at Washington State, it was funny that that I heard some Auburn fans talking about how good Auburn was now because Washington State beat USD, and I laughed a little bit. You can't you can't say Auburn's good because of that, but you can say Trey that USC is in some deep trouble, and they are a very bad football team. If you watched them against Hawaii, it kind of gave us some indications they were in trouble, and then you watched this. I think. I think Washington State's not a good team. I don't. I'm not going to say that, but I will tell you that Southern Cal is a bad one. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think USC is is definitely in trouble. But I mean, here's what you need to be very concerned with Washington State. In this game, the game they won, they only scored ten points. Their starting quarterback only had two fifteen uh, passing yards and thirty eight attempts and two picks, no touchdowns, and he had negative thirty rushing yards. So I mean. <laughs> Just the stats don't don't add up to Washington State having a good year this year. So I'm just telling you, if they make a bowl, that'll be a great win for them this year. Um, but it's going to be super hard to get there. Well, another game that that I, I laugh when I hear it. A bunch of people are on the LSU bandwagon trade. They beat UAB 56 to 17, and they played a cupcake last week and won. And everybody said Mettenberger is back. Are, are you ready to buy that, or are you are you going to sell it right now? Because right now I'm selling the fact that after two games that LSU is back and and is a very dangerous team. I still have to wait till they play somebody to 
to give my opinion on that. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not making any judgment on Mettenberger or LSU at this point. I mean, you know, UAB, they want, they lost their first game. By the way, I mean, this is not a team that um, is a good mid-major team. They're just not. I mean, UAB, uh, you look at, you know, what they did, um, you know, against LSU. I mean, 17 points. They, they didn't look good doing it, but this team lost to Troy by three points their first game. So, yeah, looking at the LSU Tigers, Tarvin. Uh, you know, is Mettenberger, um, has he progressed enough to win a big game? I don't know. He was efficient. He was 16 of 19 through five touchdowns. I mean, I really liked that to see, and that's what you want to see in Mettenberger against an opponent like this. So do I think that he's closer to where I think he should be? Uh, he is, Tarvin. Well, I mean, he looked like Paul said in the chat room, more fundamentally crisp. Yeah, it helps with the offensive coordinator. But let's remember this. LSU was favored 36 points in this game, and they won by 39. They covered, so it wasn't a surprise that he came out. It's not like they were a 10-point favorite and did this, and he came out of nowhere. Um, just not ready to, to crown them, you know, Mettenberger, the, the best quarterback in the SEC just yet. But just an update, quick trade. Um, Tony Romo just threw a touchdown. Looks like Dallas is up 13-3, to and and hopefully what that means is I win this pick'em challenge tonight. Paul Ewing doesn't get to co-host with us. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that's going to happen. I mean, we'll see what second half adjustments are made. I mean, that's where Dallas has lost a lot of these games since in the fourth quarter. So they really need to be up a couple more touchdowns before it's secure. But I like the way Romo is playing right now. They're actually, you know, looking at he's 20 for 27 uh, so far, and they're throwing the ball around on the Giants. They're clearly yeah. their game plan in the past. Yep, and and I don't I didn't say it was over, Paul, because this is Dallas. I've seen games where Dallas was up three touchdowns on the Giants. They come back and win in the fourth quarter. So it's never over when the Giants and the Cowboys play, guys. Just to let y'all know that, and and let's move on, Trey, into college football. Just an exciting day. I'm just I just can't wait till week three now. I mean, it's coming up. Life is good when college football is rolling and and NFL is back. I'm very pumped about this. So Trey, let's start with our pick'em challenge that we had. And, and let's why not start off with Tommy Tuberville, game number ten, Cincinnati at Illinois, doing what he does best, choking the teams that that he's supposed to beat handedly. He goes up, and I remember Jonathan Miklos said this was his lock of the week. This was the his strongest game out there with Cincinnati blowing out Illinois. He had me convinced, and Illinois just trounced Cincinnati. Trey, did you get to watch any of this game? No, I saw the highlights, but, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Tarvin, behind this, I mean, Illinois winning this game thinking that they could beat Cincinnati v. in the past, and they did. I mean, you know, their quarterback, 312 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he made Cincinnati look very, very bad. And so, and to be honest, the, the big loss isn't you and I and our pick or Jonathan even for locking down a team that he shouldn't have. The really big loss for this is Louisville, Tarvin, because Louisville needed Cincinnati to be uh, either unbeaten or only one loss by the time that they played them at the end of the year. So Louisville would have a better strength of schedule. So this loss hurts Louisville quite a bit, Tarvin. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, Trey, great point. You're right. Louisville needs Cincinnati undefeated when they play them. They really do. That's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, the loser this weekend out of that game, you're right, Louisville. <laughs> so you know their cousin right now. 
because even if they beat Cincinnati, a one-loss team, everybody's going to remember that that trouncing by by Illinois. And you know they took care of Purdue, what forty-five to seven, something like that, last week. So this was a shocker to me. This was one of the shockers in. But but here's the deal: Tommy Tuberville is the coach, and and I did mention that before. He just can't win games like this. And so that takes us, both of us lost this. Everybody in our pick lost this game. Nobody picked Illinois, so it didn't hurt us any at all, Trey. So the next game, Arkansas State at Auburn. I think everybody picked Auburn in this one. But one thing I liked about Auburn in this game, Trey, is they covered the spread, number one. Number two is they did not give up a, a touchdown the whole night. Three field goals. The defense gave some yards up at times. You know, Arkansas State threw the ball. They have David Oku, one of the best running backs. He was the number one running back recruit coming out of the country. So Arkansas State, what what concerned me about them was just Auburn, really, not playing up to par. But what I said last show was Arkansas State was very undersized and they were going to have trouble with Auburn, and they did, Trey. What did you see out of this game when you watched it? And then I'll give my breakdown. Yeah, I mean, what I saw in this game is Auburn taking care of business when they should. I mean, they were facing a much, a much weaker opponent, and it showed. Thirty-eight to nine was the final score. Auburn looked the part, you know, when they're playing a really, you know, poor Arkansas State team, and there's no doubt about it. They should have whipped them, and they did. Well, they're not a poor team, Trey. I mean, it was, Auburn played played good football to win this game like they did. Arkansas State is not a shabby team out of the Sun Belt. They've won it twice in a row, and they, they play teams tough. And, and and one thing I'll tell you about this game, that I saw the running game, Trey. Auburn's running game did very well, uh, over 300 yards, again, rushing, two runners over 100. But the defense, I mean, I'll give it a, a C plus, a B minus, somewhere around that range. Uh, I saw some missed tackles out there at times, but that happens. But Nick Marshall, he did hit a long ball. He did look a little better than he did last week, but it's still Nick Marshall is not at the place where I'd expect him to be after two weeks of playing. I thought he would be a lot further along the mystery. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's got a lot of growing room to do, but uh, we'll we'll see how he is against bigger opponents. Like, I, I'm not on board with you, Tarvin. I don't, I'm agree with Arkansas State that quality of a team. I mean, uh, it is the Sun Belt that you're talking about. Um, and you know, and they lost their head coach. They have a new head coach, a new scheme. So um, they're not that great of a team. Well, I mean, I didn't say they were great, but they're a respectable opponent. I think they're better than Washington State, or, or really on paper they were better in Washington State going into the season. It was like a, a test. You play a weak opponent, and then you play one a little stronger. But Arkansas State will win their conference this year probably, and, and it's not like we were playing, uh, you know, Citadel and teams like that. So, one good thing, and, and the team last year, Coach Bobber and Gene Chizik, would have lost this game last night, I promise you. If Gus Malzahn was in Arkansas State and Gene Chizik was in Auburn, Arkansas State would have came into Auburn and got the W. I mean, that's exactly what I feel about it. Auburn shut them down every time they got inside the 20. Auburn made them pay, made them kick field goals when they did. And just, I mean, it, it's great to see Auburn have an offensive coordinator and an offensive-minded coach that can – can score points. I mean, it's it's nice to see you can get over 400 yards of offense in a game, Trey, compared to last year when I saw games where we were about 170. It's a, it's a big improvement. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's an improvement. Yeah, yeah so Auburn's 2-0, uh, right where they should be, right where everybody, you know, had them predicted. I don't think anybody predicted Washington State or Arkansas State to beat Auburn. So next week's a big challenge. Mississippi State's coming into the town. 
I think Auburn and Trey to get ranked, they're going to have to beat LSU and Baton Rouge week four. I don't think beating Mississippi State is going to do anything in the Poulter's mind to get them up there, do you? No, no. Mississippi State is pretty bad, too. But for an update, Victor Cruz has caught a 70-yard touchdown pass. Yep, and there we go. It's What is it now, 13-10? Uh, to 13-10. All right, it's getting closer to the half. We'll we'll keep you updated as much as we can in this one. The next game, not much to really talk about. Northwestern trade took home Syracuse, took care of business, beat them pretty handedly. Anything you want to talk about about that one? No, I mean I think that, that when you're talking about the bandwagon that you and I were on, and Syracuse, excuse me for Northwestern, this is the kind of game on defense. After losing a starter on defense, they picked off Allen four times for Syracuse. So, I mean this is the kind of defensive performance that. Uh, I mean, they still gave up 27 points to Syracuse, but at least Tarvin, I saw some reason for us to maybe buy into Northwestern in this game. Yeah, I mean, but it is Syracuse. But, you know, week one, you have to watch it. You survive week one, and that's what Northwestern did. They went on the road, and now they come back. I'm excited to see them 2-0, and and, and I'm going to still be on their bandwagon tray until they give me a reason not to, really. And that takes us to game seven. Trey, a lot of people in our pick it seemed like, had Western Kentucky. A lot of a lot of people out there, the experts talking about watch out Tennessee, Western Kentucky's coming in, they're gonna beat you. Tennessee slaughtered Western Kentucky and, and really what helped Tennessee in this game was Western Kentucky. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where five snaps resulted in five turnovers straight by the same team. Yeah, I was hoping that we'd have Coach Ludd on talk about that. I don't know if he's calling in tonight, Tarvin, but you know, this is one of those games that I hear a lot of people on Twitter talking about, oh, Western Kentucky, Bobby Petrino. And on the show, you know, I, you know, last time, what I say? I said, this is not going to happen. Western Kentucky is not going to get beat by Tennessee. Or, that's not going to beat Tennessee. And then they went out, Tennessee went out and rolled them. And they had Western Kentucky turning the ball over every which way but loose. And that's <laughs> what good pressure on defense does. I mean, Tennessee went out and handled their business, and they played a really up-tempo on defense. I, mean, I was very, very impressed with the way they smothered Western Kentucky. And, you know, let's be honest, I mean, Western Kentucky got – a lot of these points with, um, you know, in the second quarter once this game was already up 31 or so. I mean, so this is where Tennessee was putting another guy. So, um, Tarvin, you, you got to look at what Tennessee did in this game and be very, very impressed with their building. I mean, Worley looked better, 11 for 19 as a quarterback in Tennessee. Um, and so there's some building blocks there, Tarvin, that they're starting to put together. And, and you know, they're, they're a tough part of their schedule coming up. They needed to do what they did to, this past week. Well, I mean – you look at this. Let's look at the stats in this game before I bring Cuervo in. He's he's a big Tennessee ball fan here. He's going to join us. 393 total yards for Western Kentucky, 382 for Tennessee. Passing 142 for Tennessee, Western Kentucky 222. Uh, rushing 240, Tennessee, Western Kentucky 171. The problem I have with Tennessee right now that they have to show me if they're, they're going to have to get better at the quarterback position, Trey. And going to Oregon is going to be – the challenge of the life for Tennessee. If they can get past this game, or at least if they can keep it close and respectable, and, and even though they lose, I'll, I'll believe more in them. But I have to see better quarterback play out of Tennessee right now, especially when the big boys are starting to roll in. And Cuervo, uh, congratulations on your big win yesterday against Western Kentucky, 52-20. to 20. Well, I appreciate that, Tarvin. I, and I celebrated today as well. With uh, with the Bears beating Cincinnati, so it's been a good weekend for me, at least to say. And and Florida lost for you. That's that's triple wins for you. 
Well, that's just the bonus, and then the Packers lose too, so it's like it was the perfect wow. scenario for me. <laughs> it's your lucky weekend, Cuervo. So tell us, tell us what you thought about the Tennessee Volunteers. What did you learn about them after this game? Uh, well, Brian, what I learned about them is that they're very opportunistic uh, on defense. You know, I mean, you guys just talked about it, five five plays, five turnovers. I haven't seen that since their, you know, former glory days when they were actually relevant in the SEC. And yesterday they committed a total of seven turnovers. And I, like I said, I haven't seen that in a good ten years. What I also like, though, is – you know, they're running a lot. They're, they they run the football a lot, and I know that brings up questions about Worley. However, you know, if if the running game's working, why not continue to do it? And, you know, I, I like the fact that Tennessee stuck with the run game, um, you know, because of the fact that it was working. They didn't try to get fancy. They didn't try to do anything different. Uh, they stuck to what was working, and that's something that Tennessee – you know, wasn't doing for a while. So I, I just like the fact that, you know, Butch Jones recognizes, hey, if, you know, the running game is working, let's continue to pound the rock. And that's exactly what they did against, uh, you know, Western Kentucky. And, I mean, yeah, it's Western Kentucky at the same time. It, it's, you know, that, that's any team. You know, whatever your opponent, whoever your opponent is, whatever is working for for you in that game you continue to do it. You don't try to do anything different. So I just like the fact that they continued to uh, use their strengths, which right now looks like the running game. Well, heading into Oregon, Eugene, I mean, a big challenge for you guys. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll probably preview this game next week. But well, what are you going to have to see get better, or you know, in order to beat an Oregon team on the road like that? Um. What I'm going to have to see get better is the defense. I mean, it's going to have to get better because Oregon is such a fast team and they, they strike, you know, quickly. So Tennessee is going to have to stay on their toes, um, you know, at every second of the game. You know, they cannot let their guard down for one second because if they do, then Oregon's in the end zone. They're, you know, the Anthony Thomas is, is he's gone for, you know, a 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown. And, that you know, that's the one thing I noticed about Oregon, especially in that game yesterday against Virginia, is, you know, in the first half, they they really uh, did what they could to catch Virginia off guard. And that's another way they, they blow games open, is they'll do things to, um, you know, try to gain advantages over their opponent. For example, uh, they, you know, I noticed one thing that they, after they scored a touchdown, when they kicked off, they didn't, they kicked it kind of towards the middle of the field to try and catch Virginia special teams off guard, maybe to try to recover the uh, the kick. So Tennessee is going to have to, you know, like I said, just be very alert throughout the entire game. They cannot let their guard down for one second, and especially the fact that this game is in Oregon, they're going to have to be very attention to detail. Yeah, exactly. Stay with us, Cuervo. And, and the next game we have on the agenda, the Oklahoma Sooners trade at home against West Virginia. This was this was a shocker to me at the way Oklahoma struggled. And then, and then once I thought about it, 
you know, after the game, Oklahoma, I mean, who are they really? I mean, they're a new quarterback and everything, trying to run a system. I mean, are you surprised that Oklahoma barely got by West Virginia being a 21-and-a-half point favorite? Yeah, I was I was surprised at the poor play that Knight had, 10 of 22 picks. I mean, this kid really struggled. I mean, we knew he was going to have tough games, but, I mean, the West Virginia defense isn't known for giving <laughs> even new quarterbacks tough games. So, uh, I was surprised uh, that Oklahoma had such problems. I mean, especially when Clay, the running back for Oklahoma, had so much room to run with his buddy Williams. I mean, those two dudes ran up, I think, almost 300 yards rushing. So, you know, Knight should have had lanes to pass in that he just couldn't find. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked at first. I mean, I thought this was going to be an easy win at home. It didn't surprise me that West Virginia didn't score much. I didn't expect them to score much at all. But the fact is you couldn't muster some points against probably the worst defense in the FBS. I mean, you know, I'm so glad. I'm just counting my lucky stars straight that I did not pick Oklahoma to win the Big 12. And Tony Romo is down, guys, just to interrupt breaking news. Tony Romo took a shot. The way he's laying Trey, it doesn't look like he's going to come back tonight. He took a shot. He got sandwiched in between two giants and landed on that shoulder. I don't know. It doesn't look good for Dallas if Romo doesn't come back. Yeah, I mean, I think it may be a rib injury or knock the wind out of him one. We'll have to see. He's got, he's got pretty much the rest of the half to come back. It's 30, 38 seconds left in the half. So, I mean, the Cowboys desperately need Romo back for sure. Well, if you need a good quarterback, you know, Kyle Orton, uh, Cuervo's favorite quarterback from the Bears, is is warming up right now. So we'll keep you updated on Tony Romo. We know he's coming out for this play. I'm sure they're going to take him to the locker room with 38 seconds left and and just try to see what they can do to get him back in this game. No shot I don't think Dallas has, you know, to beat the Giants without their top quarterback. But the game we were on, guys, Oklahoma, like I was saying, Trey, I'm glad I didn't have them predicted to win the Big 12. I would, I would be looking foolish right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I didn't want to pick Oklahoma. I just didn't know why, so apparently I know now. <laughs> well, well, the next game, guys, we're going to talk about, and I want to get in a little more discussion about this. This is a big game that happened yesterday. Texas on the road at BYU, Cuervo. Um, I didn't – I mean, I, I said Wednesday night it's going to be a real close game being in BYU. I wasn't sold on Texas yet, but I didn't ever see BYU beating Texas by 19 points. Did you? Well, no, but then again, we, we all didn't think Texas forgot how to uh, stop the run either. I mean, Jesus, when you I – mean, <laughs> 550 yards, I mean, I, I don't know how, to, how else to explain it. That, uh, for a Texas defense to give up that much, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say, guys. How do you give up that many rushing yards, especially – when you're considered a you know a nationally ranked team and and uh, one of the you know just one of the better teams in the nation and you give up that many rushing yards it's I I don't know I don't know how to explain it. Trey Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator at Texas, was fired after this game. How long are the Texas fans gonna keep letting this happen? Mac Brown, when it when it gets hot, he starts making changes and I think he needs to look in the mirror. Uh, take care of himself and resign or something. I mean, this guy is – I've been saying it for a few years now, Trey. He's, he's just – the Texas is where they are now because of him. You know, 
what he's done. He's a, he was a great coach at one time, but they need to move on. Do you think it was a good move firing Manny Diaz, a defensive coordinator, at this time? Yeah, I think they had to get rid of him after this game. I mean, but I think that's that's one of many firings you're going to see. I think Mac Brown probably done. I know he's very very popular with um, with Texas the administration, but I mean, Tarvin. I mean, BYU's quarterback rushed for 259 yards. I mean, just think about that for a second. The quarterback ran for 259 yards and three scores, and that's. I mean, we're not talking about. Uh, a, you know, a quarterback who runs the ball two times at every three downs, like Army or Air Force. We're talking about BYU. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the numbers are astronomical. Uh, and, and the only way you, that can happen is if you are totally unprepared for the scheme going into this game. And I, I, this, this, is, this just reeks of not, not only bad defensive play. I mean, you got so many starters back for Texas, they got to play better than that. But, I mean, this just reeks of them not being anywhere near ready to play this game. And, you know, I, this just is for Texas has to be that, that game that says enough is enough. Yeah, and I want to talk about Texas's recruiting, guys. Let's go back to 2005. I mean, I just want to go back there real quick. And we'll use rivals for this. In 2005, they had the 20th class. Okay. 2006, the 5th. 2007, the 5th. 2008, the 14th. 2009, the 5th. 2010 the third, 2011 the third, 2012 the second, and 2013 I think it was like 24. But I mean that's some great recruiting classes. You're talking about, God, seven recruiting classes in a row at that point. You were in the top five. I mean almost. And and you look. Let's go back to 2005. They won the championship 13 and 0. Great job, Mac Brown. And then 2006, 10 and 3 went to the Alamo Bowl. 2007, 10 and 3 went to the Holiday Bowl. 2008, 12 and 1 Fiesta Bowl. They won that. 2009, they lost to Bama. They went 12 and 1. Um, 2010, 5-7. Right after that national championship year, they went five, or, you know, they lost the championship 5-7. And, and then 2011, 8-5, the Holiday Bowl. And then in 2012, 9-4, the Alamo Bowl. These look like – these records are for average teams that maybe get a few top 25 recruiting classes, Trey. And when I see you finishing in the top five and recruiting that many years in a row, I mean, are you are you okay with that those records I just gave you? The Holiday and Alamo Bowl really are what you're looking forward to as Texas fans right now if you even get to go to a bowl. No, I mean, like I said, you're not okay with this as Texas. I mean, the talent has to be there. No, I mean, there's also, um, there's also some folks who think that Matt Brown is having problems with recruiting not only just in missing on some recruits, but guys who are really talented who want to come to Texas, but they're not recruiting. So they, there's some people who really think, I mean, Jameis Winston, that whole story came out, and Mac Brown felt he had to come out and make a statement. I mean, and you really, I think uh, the whole Johnny Manziel issue where they didn't really recruit him, I mean, maybe that's a good thing, but I think Texas would take a Heisman Trophy winner, um, even with all the issues. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I think it's not only – uh, is the talent there on the field, which I think a lot of people like myself think that Texas has the talent, especially when you start looking at players drafting. I mean, they're still drafting players. Um, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to coaching and it comes down to guys who wouldn't be going to Texas if Mac Brown just recruited them. Yeah. yeah, I think he's missing it. I think, you know, Cuervo kind of reminds me of Fulmer. I mean, a great coach at Tennessee, but if you're not winning, 
if you know, Tennessee's used to winning champion, getting to big bowl games and, and having success in the regular season, and Tennessee didn't put up with that too much with Fulmer, and I think Texas is making a huge mistake by allowing this. But the Cuervo, Paul Ewing in the chat room said the quarterback was the main problem with Texas right now, but let's look at his stats. 19 of 34 on the road, 251, two touchdowns and no picks. I don't think that's a bad night, do you? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't think it was, you know, horrible. Um, you know, but it's just it's just about how effective you are with that, and and that that was the biggest problem. I think was, you know, the effectiveness of of his stats wasn't. You know, I mean, obviously, it only you know, only produced twenty one points. So, um, you know, you could throw the ball all you want. You could throw for five hundred yards, but if you're only throwing for, you know, two touchdowns or three touchdowns in the college game, that's not getting it done. Yeah, I mean, look, they have had trouble at quarterback since Colt McCoy left. I'm not going to say that, but the quarterback didn't cause BYU's quarterback trade a little like Cam Newton either. No, I mean that the the rushing yards they gave up. It, it, to me, I look at that and I see it's all about being prepared and guys either being out of place and are they out of place because they're not talented. And I have to think that Texas has the talent to keep on the field with BYU, especially after BYU just got beat by Virginia. So, I mean, I, I think the talent has to be there at Texas. And so, yeah. you know, what's the next thing? It has to be the coaches didn't prepare them. I mean, that, that's the only two options that I, when I come to and I see the score that my mind goes to. If you drop, I mean, you have the recruiting classes they have, they've had over the past five years, and then all of a sudden in 2013 you drop to 24. I think these recruits, I think these high school coaches are starting to see the writing on the wall, too, to try to educate these players, Cuervo. I I really think if Mac Brown is not fired during the year, I think it's going to be a disaster. He cannot develop players, it doesn't look like. He has no clue of what he's doing. He's pointing the fingers, and I'm ranting about this because I've been saying it for years, and I'm tired of repeating myself. And I'm sure Texas is not going to listen to me. I mean, they don't know who I am, but I'd love to have a meeting with those guys and say, guys, what are you doing to Texas here? This is a powerhouse program, and Mac Brown is running it into the dirt. There comes a time, Cuervo, when you have to quit blaming other people, other coaches, and start blaming yourself. Diaz is not the problem. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, your your typical – uh, Texas fan or just typical college football person would think, well, you know, there's been a lot of changes to Mac Brown's staff. Well, you know, I mean, that is true, but at the same time, you know, like you said, this is this is the University of Texas. A lot of people should want to go to that school if they're from that area, but, you know, it just it just seems like it's not as appealing anymore, and I don't know if a&M moving to the SEC has anything to do with it because they want to play with the big boys. But, um, you know, that's something that you got to think about as well. I mean, it's only the second year. However, like you said, I mean, last year they had a top five recruiting class and all of a sudden they dropped to 24th. So kind of makes you wonder. It does. And, and, and Trey, you're right. What you hit was head on. He's missing talent. He's, he's missing players like quarterbacks, like, during this time, I mean, if you had Johnny Manziel, Trey, just think if Johnny Manziel would have gone to Texas, you know he'd have won the starting job, uh, where they would be right now with the with the team they have. And imagine RG3 on the team. I mean, how would they have done with RG3, Trey? I'm looking at probably a national championship. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I hear it. Yeah. I mean, that's the well, bottom line. Brown's hat is, is you know can't hear recruit quarterbacks, and that's the big. Since Vince Young left, let's be honest, it's really been Vince Young. I mean, calling Colt McCoy is good, but they've been searching for somebody since Vince Young. Well, Paul made a good point in the chat room, guys. He said, do you think the wheels are coming off now? Let Ole Miss beat them in Austin. Is that game this weekend, Trey? Do you remember? I thought I know it's early in the season. Is it this week? Oh, Paul says yes. Yeah, uh, I think wow. so. Wow. Wow, I'm sure that's going to be one of your top games, Trey, for Wednesday night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, right, we'll put that one on there. <laughs> All right, good. Well, well, I have to give myself kudos for the next game. You know, Oregon, Virginia. Uh, I picked a big blowout on this one, and I think I did say Trey would be one of those games that would be like 21 to nothing off the bat, and it was. Oregon went on the road to the East Coast. People thought the hangover would be there going all the way across to the Eastern uh, Coast. But, Trey, Oregon, man, they are dominant, dude. They're, I mean, they're probably the best team in college football right now when you watch them play. And I know it's just Virginia, but still, Virginia beat BYU, the team that just trounced Texas. Yeah, and what really got me about this this game, it's not necessarily, you know, Thomas's 124 yards and three touchdowns. And certainly Mariota is, is in the top five of Heisman candidates right now with his performance of, you know, 100 yards rushing, 100 yards passing. But it really, to me, I looked at the defense, and they picked off Watford three times. Um, and that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of defensive play they need. I mean, they really shut down uh, UVA completely. And UVA does not have a vaunted offense, Carvin, but you know, when you can shut down a major, you know, a major college like Virginia the way they did, um, you know, I look at that and I look at that and I'm saying, okay, well, you know, they're going to be able to shut down a lot of people this year and having a good defense, you know, and that's the difference when you have that offense they have, you know, that gets them to a BCS game. But a good defense, Tarvin, that gets you to a championship game. Yeah, and, and Cuervo, one thing about Oregon in the past is, that I've had a beef with is they get up on teams big like they did Virginia it was 28 to 10 at halftime, and then they, they let the team come back. Oregon did not allow a point, a single point in the second half. And what they score? But 31 points. They outscored them 31 to nothing in the second half. I mean, is Oregon the team right now in your mind that could play for that national championship and probably and possibly dethrone Alabama? Well, Brian, I don't see how you can't put them in the discussion or – you can't consider them. I mean, you want to talk about impressive. Oregon looks impressive, and it sucks that Tennessee has to play them next week because, I mean, it could get ugly, and it could get ugly fast, especially with it being a home game for Oregon. But, um, you know, but that's what, to me, that's what really defines a good team is that even if you're up by 20 or 30 points, that doesn't mean just let off the gas. And, you know, I know I picked Ohio State to play Alabama for the national title. I'm a little concerned with my pick because what you're talking about <laughs> as far as letting teams hang around and stuff like that, I have a feeling Ohio State is going to be that type of team later on because they give up a lot defensively. And when they start playing some real uh, some real competition, they could be, they could find themselves in trouble being Ohio State. So, I mean, as far as Oregon – yeah, I mean that to me it shows the characteristic of a, of a really a truly good football team is uh, to never let up. Well, that 2010 Oregon team was special that played in the national championship game, Trey. But is this team 
They say they run the table. They go 13-0. and 0. Are they better, in your opinion, than that 2010 team? Well, I mean, I think they have a better quarterback, but, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to say who's better and which teams right now. I mean, I'm talking about the history of Oregon, but, uh, I mean, I, I like Mariota a lot, man. I think he's probably the best quarterback they've ever had. I, I agree with that. He's a, he's a better quarterback. They had 350 yards rushing, 207 passing, and catch this, trade. They only gave, they gave up less than 300 yards on the road to a Virginia team. I don't care who you play. You hold them under 300 yards. That's a that's a great defensive performance. The only thing is, Mariota was only 50% passing, 199 yards and two touchdowns, but he did run the ball, okay, 122 yards on four carries. That's not bad, 30.5 average. He had a 71-yarder that helped that with one touchdown. But I'm sold on Oregon. I had them playing for the national championship preseason, and I just don't see it changing. There's nobody in the Pac-12, I don't think, besides maybe Washington could sneak up or somebody. I don't think Stanford could beat them. It looks like Oregon's run just got a lot easier with Southern Cal showing how bad they are and Oregon State showing how bad they are. So, Trey, Oregon, all they have to do is handle their business. They're going to be favored double digits in every game they play besides Stanford. So, they, they should get there. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I don't know if Jason Humphreys is calling in and talking about it, Tarvin, but you know he's got to be happy today for sure after watching Oregon uh, play so well out of conference. Yeah, he is with us. Jason, man, congratulations on your big victory against uh, Virginia this weekend. Thank you, but guys, hold the phone. It's not time to predict national title. Looking inside the <laughs> box score. Ogan had 11 penalties for 150 yards. If you play a big team like Stanford or Washington, that's going to kill you. And Marcus Mayota, he completed 75% of his passes last year, 50% yesterday. So Marcus Mayota needs to be better passing the ball. All right. Well, thanks for giving us that warning, Jason. I think you get scared, Trey, when we start talking about national championship for Oregon. I, I mean, you've been an Oregon fan. You have to be a little paranoid about that. Oh, well, I think uh, I think that, um, you know, if you're Oregon right now, you've got to be pretty happy. I mean, certainly, you know, it, it's one thing to be stable and be like, okay, you know, we got to get better. And certainly Oregon does. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I'm pretty happy if I'm an Oregon fan. Well, if they do win, who's going to get the credit for this championship? You think Chip Kelly or help? Well, I mean, it's like anything. I mean, Chip Kelly put that team together, but, I mean, you know, he's not the one coaching right now. Exactly. Well, we're going to move on from the Oregon Ducks to a game that that made a lot of people happy. Uh, the number 12 Florida Gators went on the road to Miami. And the funny thing is about this game, Cuervo, is Florida dominated this game in between the 20s. I mean, they really did. The, you look at the total yardage and things like that, Florida dominated. But something about that team, they just can't score. I mean, they scored 16 points against Miami. And I'm shocked, Cuervo, that Miami went up to number 15 in the polls. I don't even think they should be ranked, honestly. Um, What are your thoughts on this game, ACC beating the SEC? (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny that you you mentioned it from that that point of view because now you're hearing all these talks about – is the SC, you know, is the ACC ready to compete with the SEC? Because you've had, you know, two weeks in a row now. You've had 
ACC teams beat beat a, uh, a you know good SEC team, and uh, you know two games, seven straight national titles. Ooh, I, I guess that sounds pretty even, right? I, I think people are overreacting a little bit, but um, you know, as far as this game though, I mean, you you said it in between the twenties, you know, Florida looked good, but then when they get to the red zone, they all of a sudden they forget how to play football and. That that's what you know. That you just can't you can't be a net you know ranked uh, you know considered a, a good uh, team if if you're going to do that. You, you have to be able to capitalize when you get in the red zone. And I mean Driscoll just I, I don't know if it was that he was trying to do too much or he just had no no choice but to try to make something happen. I don't know what it was. However, you know, the the red zone did not treat Florida good at all in yesterday's game, which I happen to like. I just want to tell some people right now in the chat room, um, if you don't think I can track you, then you're an idiot. Um, Don't come in the chat room and start using profanity and talking trash. Um, I do have your number on your computer, your name, and everything with Block Talk Radio, so you will not be back in this chat room. Uh, just to let everybody know that. Tony Romo is back, guys. Fourth and seven. They're punting the ball 13-10. Just started the second half. But but the Gators, to me, and I want to start off on this first, Trey. Uh, just because Miami beat Florida doesn't mean the ACC is better than the SEC. Just because Clemson won at home against Georgia doesn't mean the ACC is better. And you start hearing all this talk, which is crazy. Let's look at the stats. That's what I want to talk about. First downs, 22 Florida, 10 to Miami. Total yards, 413 Florida, 212 Miami. Passing, 291 Florida, 162 Miami. 122 rushing for Florida, 50 for Miami. Trey, I mean, 70 yards of penalties for Florida hurt them. Third down conversion, 6 to 15 for Florida, 1 for 11 for Miami. So looking at this game, Trey, how do you put Miami up in the top 15 after this performance, honestly? Well, I mean, they beat a number 12 team. I mean, uh, I mean that was a little high for me. Yeah, it is. I'd probably have them at 18, maybe 19. But, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, can you really argue with them being ranked ahead of Florida? No, you can't. I mean, Florida, you can claim, you know, that Florida outplayed them all they want to, but Florida got beat, and that's the bottom line. Florida turned the ball over, and they got beat. And turnovers count, too, in the statistics column. Um, you know, and Florida just got, got out, out beat. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. I mean, Florida went out there. They didn't play well. Driscoll didn't play well. Uh, they were cavalier with the ball at times, uh, and it cost them time, and that's just the way it went down. Well, I mean, look, Trey, I, I picked Miami to win this game. You picked Florida, and I would have told you Wednesday night just because Miami beat Florida, it really didn't mean anything this early in the season. I mean, Florida turned the ball over five times. Miami had the ball for 21 minutes in a game, 21 minutes out of 60. Uh, I'm just telling you, man, 12 of 25 by their quarterback, 162 yards, two touchdowns in the pick. Miami, to me, Cuervo, is not worthy of a ranking yet. I mean, they played horrible. Florida gave them the game. I'm not sold on them just yet. I think Miami's not a very good football team right now. Well, no, I mean, they're not. They're not, Brian. But, I mean, that kind of tells you, though, that people want to – begin to, uh, how do I put it, how I put this, uh, dethrone the SEC, 
That I, I truly believe that, and maybe that's just me being a homer, but I just get that feeling that you know these these, these voters are like trying a little too much to say, hey, yep. you know, it's not about the SEC anymore. So now they now they're gonna shoot. As soon as an SEC team loses to somebody, they're gonna shoot them that you know you know these teams up in the rankings, and it's just gonna make them look stupid later on. Because yeah, I think one of the Clemson's three, right? Go ahead. Clemson's three, right, in the polls. I mean, because they beat Georgia at home at night by a field goal when they lost their best receiver. And now all of a sudden, you know, it seems like people are starting to – Clemson's a good football team. Don't get me wrong. I'll buy on them. But to me, you know, the AP poll has a number three. I think you're exactly right, Cuervo, when you said that. They put Miami up to 15. They moved Clemson up to three. Florida State up in the top ten. I think they're just trying to find some kind of storyline to make it to where somebody's competing with the SEC. And they are. I mean, people are getting better. I mean, the SEC, to me, right now, is not as top-heavy as they have been the past few years. But, I mean, I think these guys are stretching just a little bit too much. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, again, uh, even, even South Carolina, which, I mean, yes, they lost. They dropped them to 13th, and I'm, I'm looking at the poll now. Yeah, Miami's at 15, and Florida State's at 10. Georgia's at 9. So, yeah, I mean, it just it just seems to me like, like I said, I mean, you know, it's anything to to try to make a story out of, you know, well, you know, is the SEC finished and this and that. Beat Alabama, <laughs> and then we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah, beat Alabama, beat LSU when it counts. And, and Trey, I mean, looking at Miami, and I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm serious when I say this. I mean, Miami, I mean, they're in the ACC. You need them to be good for Florida State. But just say if, if Miami would have played Auburn yesterday or whatever in Auburn or something, I guarantee you this. Auburn's not a very good football team right now, but they would have beaten Miami. <laughs> right. Yeah, I knew you were oh, I know they would. outrageous I know like they that. would. But, but, no, I'm talking about Miami, not no, nobody else. That That's what I feel about Miami. They're a, not a good football team. Actually, they're worse than I thought they were. And I picked them to win the game they won. I should be celebrating right now, saying I told you so to people. But instead, I'm apologizing for even picking them to beat Florida. Florida's offense just screwed themselves up real big in that game. Driscoll turning the ball over. Miami, my gosh. I mean, if you played that game ten more times and you played it in the neutral side, Florida would probably win seven of them easy. It was just bad luck. It was one of those days, guys, where the ball didn't bounce right and Miami was at home with their 32 fans looking on, chanting, and now all the Miami shirts are coming out. All I'm saying is all you Hurricane fans out there, chill out a little bit. Florida gave you a gift and they wrapped it up and handed it to you and you still almost pissed it away with that onside kick. So that's all I'm trying to say is let's not get carried away right now. We're in week two, but I'm not ready to put Miami in the national championship game just yet. They're not the U again until I tell you they are. So let's move on to the the game trade that, that you put at number two, and I think you were right to put it there and not number one, the Michigan-Notre Dame game. I mean, were you impressed with Michigan last night at home taking care of business? Uh, yeah, I mean, they did exactly what I what I wanted them to do or I thought they would do. But I, I like how you tried to cut me off on the Florida conversation because you disagreed with me. But that's okay, Tarvin. Um, that's okay. 
Um, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're an ACC homer, Trey. I know you. You do the certain things. You you said Arkansas State wasn't a big win for Auburn, but Western Kentucky was a huge win for Tennessee. You know, I know how you operate. And the okay, how is that an ACC football? They're both SEC teams, buddy. No, I mean, I, no, I'm saying I know how you operate in general about your conversations. Paul even called you out in the chat room on it. But look, well, I mean, you, raise you your hand. Raise your hand. No, I'm just saying just I know the I'm way an you SEC, operate. I'm not an SEC homer, Carvin, then you compared Tennessee and Auburn, which are both SEC teams. So at least if you're going to use an no. example, get it right. I said you're an ACC homer, and you're sitting when there. Tennessee is not up. an ACC team. And I'm trying to contradict what you said when you said that how stupid you act sometimes when you said Arkansas State was not a big win for Auburn. It was an easy win. But Western Kentucky was a huge win for Tennessee, and you're very impressed. I mean, think about what you said. You'll 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 think about it tonight, and you'll you'll call me right tomorrow. But right now, I'm on the Michigan Notre Dame game trade. What do you think about that? Of course, you are. Um, it was a good game, Carvin. Michigan uh, Michigan played well. <laughs> Uh, just and does anybody agree? Does anybody, anybody disagrees with Harvin? It is stupid. I get it. Harvin, I get it. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I mean you really can't. No, I'm say, I'm saying your your debate the way and Paul even said it the way you you hate the SEC. I know you do the way you talk about it. You boost up the ACC, and I don't want to keep going back at this. It's the truth. And and all you had to Harvin, say who tonight I, was who do I have in the Kentucky national championship game, win. Harvin? Just who do I have? Do I have an ACC team in the national championship game? I hope not. You'd be wrong. Yeah, I would. And who do I have, Harvin? Do you even know? I have no idea, yeah. man. So, I mean, my point is, is, is I am an ACC fan for Florida State. I really, I'm not a, I'm not a grab a doll. And I took him, <laughs> and I, I kicked the shit out of him, and I, and I all day long, I put up a dog day. <laughs> that thing, thing, thing up his ass. That's my pleasure. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that, man. I didn't mean to cut you off, Trey. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to say, guys, that Miami. Look, I mean, all I'm saying is Miami is not a top 15 team, and don't read too much into that. Trey, you can disagree with me all you want. We disagree every day of our life when we talk, and that's fine. I've never said anything, but I don't want you putting words in my mouth. Miami is a terrible team. They're not good, and that's it. And, and neither is Florida. Oh, I didn't say they were. Florida's not a good football team right now. No no doubt about it. That's why I picked Miami. But, but Cuervo hit the nail on the head when he said that people are trying to come out and they're trying to boost up other conferences right now, any chance they get to do it. And what I said was Miami sits here and, and they, they beat a team that really gave them a game. And they get well, they weren't even ranked, were they? I don't think they were ranked. And now all of a sudden they went up to 15 on a performance like that. That really – bothers me, and, uh, and Miami's not the only team I've had problems with in the polls all year. You know, there's a SEC teams as well that gets overranked. But you have to admit, Cuervo, and Cuervo, am I wrong on this? Miami at 15 right now jumps from unranked, I believe, all the way up to 15, and they got gift-wrapped a game. I, I mean, I will admit I think that is that is a pretty big jump. If they would have put them at number 20, 22, that's reasonable, but to, to have them up all the way to 15, that I think that's I think that's quite a jump in my opinion. So I, I, I don't I'm not saying Miami should not be ranked. I'm just saying I don't think I don't think they're the number 15 team in the nation either. 
Yeah, I, 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 like, I like when me and Trey go head-to-head. That's fun some nights. makes the night go better. Trey, I have no problem with you, man, disagreeing with me. But when you when you say Western Kentucky's a, a huge win for Tennessee and Arkansas State's a scrub and Auburn should have beat them, blown them out, I, I have a problem with that. So I had to call you out on it, man. Hey, you're also an Auburn homer. I am. Yeah, so I'm not a Tennessee homer, okay? So I don't even, you know, I have nothing against or for Tennessee. So, but I, I, here's what I think. I think I think Miami is ranked in the in the in the coaches poll about where they should be. Eighteen. 18th. 18th, and I would put Florida at 19 right now. And Florida's ranked 20th in the coaches poll. I think that's low. I think I think Wisconsin's probably not as good as they are right now. They they have two shutouts, but they're against nobody. So, I think you have to rank Miami ahead of Florida. Uh, but I don't. I, I agree. I think they're a little, a little high. Because um, I think you know, we both picked them to win the coastal in the ACC. By the way, though. Yeah, we did. Hey, hey, Trey's Trey's a little better than Big E. Big E gets mad like that. He'll come over with a shotgun to your house. So Trey, I, kudos for that. I don't have a knock at my door yet. Well, I just sent somebody, Carvin. Oh, okay. You, you better send three of them tonight. Buddy, I, I've seen you fight, man. I don't. I, I need a midget. A midget in a, in a small shovel, that's it. Man, where's Tino when you when you need him right now? Tino, if you're listening in, baby, give him a call. Trey needs, Trey needs to be put in his place tonight. But but let's get back to the Notre Dame-Michigan uh, game, Trey. I mean, Michigan, you know, they were – I really liked the way they, they scored when they had the opportunities to. I really didn't like the, the interception in the end zone late in the game that they threw. But overall, or I mean, Notre Dame, do they have the – a great defense, like you said, going into this game now after watching that. Well, I mean, yeah, I I over-evaluated that defense. I think those front two guys are still going to go in the front first round. There's no doubt about those two guys, and they played really well. But that overall defense, the secondary, woof, and that Lowe's linebacking core, Tarvin, they, they are really, really overrated. <laughs> Clearly, I overrated them, as a lot of people did. The one thing that I did and um, get impressed with a little bit, Tarvin, with Tommy Reese, I mean, the guy threw for over 300 yards against Michigan. I, I really didn't think the guy was all that good, and I still am not really sold on him at all. Uh, 29 for 51, two interceptions. I mean, Tommy Reese, I think, still is the guy who's going to lose some games this year. Uh, we'll be, I'm interested to see if Quinn calls in to, uh, to tell us about how, how Tommy Reese is going to bounce back. But I think, you know, you and I both thought Notre Dame was going to struggle this year. I think this is the first part of it. Um, but, you know, Devin Gardner played pretty well, Tarvin, but um, – yeah, I mean, I think Devin Gardner made a name for himself in this game. Well, I mean, Notre Dame we went down to number 21 in the coaches and the AP poll, one and one. Trey, do you think that's fair that they're still ranked, being one and one right now, losing to Michigan? I think Michigan was 18 going into that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Notre Dame's 21 in both polls. That's probably about right for now. Um, we'll have to see how that ends up, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with them being ranked. I guess they lost to a ranked team. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with it yet because they did they didn't lose. I mean, they still have a good football team in ways and looking at their schedule. But Michigan showed me Cuervo last night that that they they're almost ready to take that next step. I think they have a successful season, but I still think we're a year or so away from Michigan actually being a contender. But it was a great win last night for them at home. Oh yeah, yeah good, good it, statement win. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, Trey's right. It was. It's a very big statement for for the program and for you know 
especially, and I mentioned it on campus with Cuervo. I, I felt like this was the opportunity for Devin Gardner to have a you know coming out party, and I think I feel like he did enough to be put on the national stage and say, "Hey, here I am," and not just that, but you know, this game, guys. I'm sure, and I'm sure you guys saw it. Um, was he had the highest attendance in in college football history. So, this I mean, there's a lot of people that had their eyes on this football game last night. So, I think Michigan slowly but surely is getting back to you know their glory days. Brady Hoke, well, Brady Hoke's what in his third year now as head coach at Michigan. He's starting to to uh, mold this team to how he wants it. So, um, I think that's another big thing as far as Michigan is concerned and why they're playing so well. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, man, when you when you look at Michigan, there's a big step forward for them. Notre Dame's about where they where they're going to be. I think they're going to lose a few more games this year, but but I still think Michigan is still a year or so away from being a contender for a national championship. Can they win the Big Ten this year? Possible. I mean, Braxton Miller. I still don't know about his injury. Trey, have you heard anything on the Braxton Miller injury for Ohio State? No, I haven't actually, and that's that's going to be a game changer if he misses time. I mean, I know the backup played well for Ohio State, but I mean, Paul Ewing says Braxton's fine. We'll have to see. I mean, um, the Donovan says he's overrated, so um, yeah, we'll have to see. Braxton Miller is very important for Ohio State. And Trey, is your blood pressure going down yet? Are you okay? Trey, are you there? <laughs> I think I think Trey left a square vote. Uh, my phone got stuck. Okay, my bad. Well, that takes us to the number one game, and and actually, I got to hit eight out of ten this weekend on your game, Trey. I think you hit seven, right? So seventy percent, still very yep. good. A couple ups, a couple upsets we couldn't see coming there. So I mean, no, no, no bad, you know, nothing bad. Thinking about seventy or eighty percent in this week. There's some tough games you put on the slate, but Georgia at home against South Carolina. And remember, Trey, prior to the season, I had Georgia going zero and two. But after watching them against Clemson and watching South Carolina against North Carolina, I was just convinced that Georgia was going to beat South Carolina, and, and luckily it happened. But so, any thoughts you have on this game? Is South Carolina were, were they overrated going into this game? I don't know that they were overrated. I, I think that I mean Aaron Murray played so well in this game. I mean four touchdowns, three hundred yards. I mean he was pretty efficient. Uh, I think one of the other things that come out of this game is is Tom Gurley is a top five and overall player in, in college football. I mean the guy is amazing. I mean he was just a beast at times, carrying you know Gamecock defenders. Uh, the other thing, Tarvin, you know, that came out of this game, which I, kind of really surprised me, was Clowney's, you know, discontent. I mean, he came out of this game and said he was being misused, that, um, that you know, he, that he wasn't happy with the way he was being positioned on the field. And, you know, Tarvin, that's that's something you don't like to hear. You're talking about, like, you know, a star player on South Carolina who's almost blaming his poor performance on the coaching staff. Yeah, that, that that does concern me a little bit. He's starting – I think Cuervo, the hype has gone to this kid's head. And some kids can handle it, some can't. I don't think Clowney is one of those people that can handle success and be in the spotlight on every play. Well, I think it's a little bit of that, guys. And, and I also think it's 
Um, it, it just seems to me like this kid, this is the second week in a row now where he's come up with a reason where he didn't, you know, he didn't perform to the, to the best, you know, that people expect him to perform at. To me, I think he's, the kid's just full of excuses. Whenever he has a good game, he's, you know, then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, you know, shout out to my teammates, whatever, whatever. But the minute he doesn't have a good game, it's like, well, you know, it's because of this and because of that. I just think, I just think he's going to be that type of guy where, you know, he plays well and, you know, it's, it's because everything just kind of aligned perfectly. When he doesn't play well, there's 101 excuses for it. So, I think that's what you're going to get with Jadavian Clowney. Trey, did, did A.J. Murray go up into your Heisman top five after throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns against South Carolina in a must-win game in the SEC East? Well, I mean, Aaron Murray for sure is now on the precipice of that. I mean, Gurley's the guy who's locked into my final five or my top five right now for Heisman. I mean, this guy, I was just I – every time Gurley touched the ball, I, it felt like – even if it was a, miss, a missed assignment and the guy was, you know, coming clean at him, it seemed like he got an extra yard almost every single time. I mean, Murray, uh, I think, solidified himself as is probably the best quarterback that's going to come out of the SEC when you're talking about draft status and NFL-type caliber uh, over Johnny Manziel and, and A.J. McCarron. Um, but, you know, Murray clearly got a little more time in this game than he got against Clemson. That's where I think it surprised me about South Carolina is they weren't able – to put a lot of pressure on Murray at times. I mean, Murray had sometimes five and six seconds back there just counting down. Yeah. So um, he really made him pay for every second they let him, you know, let him back there. Well, I think the roles are reversed this year. Usually it's South Carolina beating Georgia and Georgia back going their way into the SEC championship. But, but now we have Georgia winning the game. And I think South Carolina, I'm going to hold my prediction still. I feel – okay about it. I don't feel as confident as going into it, but I think South Carolina with their schedule can get back into the SEC championship game, Trey, and I think Georgia's going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, I still think Georgia's going to have problems because they have a tougher schedule, and I think they're going to, they're going to lose some of those games where South Carolina's schedule is going to open up for them. You know, Connor Shaw still has a lot of room to improve. I think Davis, they found a good runner in Davis in South Carolina, but what really concerned me out of this loss, because, you know, I'm okay with South Carolina taking the loss here. I mean, South Carolina is a team that I have predicted to go very, very far this year. So, I mean, I was okay with that, Tarvin. I was okay with them losing this game uh, in the SEC. What I wasn't okay with or what I'm really concerned about is this clowny stuff. Because anytime you have your star player yep. come out and say, I'm not performing at a high level and it's because of the coaching staff, I mean – that's going to be crushed immediately. And, and the other part of that is his is not playing well, Tarvin. I mean, he didn't factor in this game a lot. I mean, he wasn't getting double teamed the entire game. You can't blame it on that. Yeah, Clemson, I mean, uh, South Carolina to me, they Steve Spurrier needs to go in right now and use this loss as an example, Cuervo, of what happens when you don't play as a team, you start pointing fingers. But at no time do you ever call out your coaching staff, really, is a player like that in college football. You're not a professional yet. I don't even agree with it in the NFL ranks, Cuervo, but Clowney doing this, what do you think the coaching staff's going to do about it? Nothing. He's the, he's the best defensive player on the team, right? And they're not going to they're not going to risk it. I I don't I don't see South Carolina doing anything about it personally. 
I'd be I'd be surprised if they did. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they're really going to do a whole lot. Well, who does Georgia play this week, Trey? Coming up, do they do they have an easier game and then LSU? Or because I know Auburn plays LSU in two weeks. Who does Georgia play this week? Let's see. Georgia plays. Sorry, I'm pulling it up right now. I think it's a cupcake. Yeah, it's North Texas and then LSU. Okay, so so they play North Texas. They get a bye week before hosting LSU. Um, I mean, guys, that's going to be the biggest game on Georgia's schedule. I mean, they have to win that game. It's going to be tough to beat LSU right now. It looks like they are playing good until they play somebody. LSU's first test will be Auburn, but it'll be at home. So we'll see more what LSU has, like we said, when they get into their conference schedule. But LSU's playing good right now. Trey, I mean, that's a, a lot of games we covered and everything, but real quick, and I'll let Cuervo do it too. Trey, give me, if you can, real quick, your top five rankings right now as, as far as teams, and then we'll do Heisman. Looking at the rankings after two weeks, where do you have the top five? Uh, let see, my top five. All right. You caught me off guard. Let me think here for a second, Tarvin. Um, well, number one, I'll start with number one. That's That's the easiest way to go. I mean, number one is <laughs> Alabama. Uh, they until until you beat the man, I mean, you really can't say anything about not being number one. So Alabama's a clear number one. I think Oregon is my clear number two. Uh, I like the way they're playing. I have Ohio State still at three because I think their schedule is still really easy. If Braxton Miller's healthy, I think they're still going to win out. So are they the third best team in the country? Nah, I don't know, but I think they're up there because. It's schedule, and they may be, uh, end up being undefeated by the time they face Michigan. I think number four, I'm going to put Stanford up there. I still think Stanford is a better football team. I think number five, Tarvin, I'm going to put Clemson there for that win against Georgia. Okay. Cuervo, and, and I know why you put Ohio State there, but I'm going to do my rankings of what I've seen so far this year out of teams. It's not going to be who I think is going to do what. I'm just going to rank them what I've seen so far in two weeks. Cuervo, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same thing, uh, Tarvin. Number five, and this may surprise some people. Um, you might get some comments in the chat room. I'm not in the chat room right now, but um, I'm actually going to put the Louisville Cardinal at number five. Uh, just the way uh, Bridgewater has played so far, the guy's been very very effective in uh, his two games so far. So I, I'll put Louisville at five. I will put, uh, I will put Ohio State at four. Because you know, I mean, Braxton Miller's injury. We'll we'll see how, uh, you know, how that plays out for them. Uh, I'll take Clemson at three, um, even though even though I'm really not that high on on Clemson as far as the whole season is concerned. Right now, they are, in my opinion, the number three team in the nation. Uh, number two is number two and number one is pretty obvious. I have Oregon second and Alabama number one. All right, I'm going to be a little different than you guys, and and you call me crazy, but my number one team right now uh, is Oregon. That's who I'm going to rank number one right now. Number two, Alabama. Number three, the Clemson Tigers out of the ACC. Four, Louisville. And number five, I mean, call me crazy. I saw one game, and I saw what Winston could do. I like Florida State at number five. That's two ACC teams in the top five there, and and right now, just two games. Alabama's only played one, so they, if they beat Texas A&M, they'll probably go back up to number one. But I have Oregon. Am I crazy, Trey? Well, I 
you caught me off guard with that one, Tarvin, because you just told me how, how you know, you know, the ACC is overrated, and you put two of them in your top five. You kind of caught me off guard. I, uh, I, no, one, I said uh, Miami. I said Miami was overrated. Yeah, well, I think you got Florida State too high. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan. They've only played one game. That's way too high. I think, I think to be honest, they're 10 or 11 right now at the best. Uh, one game is not enough to, to put them that far up. I, I think Oregon, I think you can make an argument for Oregon. Uh, I still think that Alabama is, is a really good football team and they're number one right now. We'll see how they face against. Well, uh, I all think they're going to win, Tarvin, but uh, what if Texas A&M does win that game? What if? I don't know. Well, I had to do that. I got two reactions out of the chat room. First from you, of course, Trey, but Jason Humphrey, I had to tell him. I had to really hear here what he had to say, and he's not ready in all caps, Trey. Oregon is not good to be number one yet, but, guys, I'm just joking. Alabama, until somebody beats the SEC, I have to keep them at number one. I just wanted to, to rile Jason Humphrey up a little bit, trying to jinx his Oregon Ducks. But Florida State, to me, though, I looked at that Winston kid and looking at their schedule, too, but the way they looked on the field going on the road and beating Pittsburgh the way they did, I mean, top five's not out of the question just yet. Maybe it's a little high right now, but we'll see in the next few weeks how it's going to pan out. I just like being a little different sometimes and, and rewarding teams that actually show it on the field and, and actually show signs of greatness. That Winston kid is amazing. And Louisville, I have them higher because of Bridgewater and and that defense, Louisville is a great team. I just have a feeling they're going to get left out at the end because of that schedule. Clemson showed what they could do at night against Georgia. I mean, Taj Boyd being a senior and Watkins, you know, this is his last year probably before he goes to the NFL. Clemson could do something special. So the top half, the top two teams in the ACC are real legit, guys. It's the rest of them that I'm a little worried about as a conference. And I'm not ready to say the SEC is not the best conference, trust me, but all right, Trey, this is your favorite time, the Heisman time. So I'll go ahead and let you do five tonight. Since I asked you for two last week, you gave me five. Go ahead and do five tonight. Who's your top five Heisman contenders? Well, I mean, number one for me, or I guess it's really hard to say I have a number one. I think that if I look at these five guys, I think they're all up there in, in Heisman. And I, so I'm just going to give them to you, not in order, I guess, rank order, but I got I got Gurley up there uh, at the running back out of Georgia. I'm very impressed with what he's able to do with the football. The guy is a, a man playing among boys. I look at Marcus Mariota out of Oregon, and I just I think this guy is amazing. I think he's going to be up there. You know, for me last week, Tarvin, I caught a lot of flack for Johnny Manziel, uh, but I'm still having Johnny Manziel up there, 400 yards passing this past week. Um, you know, he's still up there in my book right now. Uh, number uh, another another guy I have up there, Tarvin. Uh, I think Baylor Seastruck has has has, has come into that that discussion, oh. Tarvin. He, I, I look at him as is maybe is him and Taj Boyd, uh, and then of course Tarvin Teddy Bridge uh, Teddy Bridgewater is is up there as well. Cuervo, who do you like? Well, I mean it's a lot of the same guys that you mentioned. I mean I think Bridgewater's having a great year so far. So you got to put him up there. Um, I think <clears throat> Mariota, you got to put up there from Oregon. Um, Taj Boyd will will probably stay in the discussion until uh, Clemson loses a game. Um, another guy that I think is probably going to stay up there until they lose a game, Manziel. Um, you know, a lot of people want to take him out of the discussion, but he's the reigning winner. But I mean. You know, I think a guy that you could probably sneak in there, depending on how 
Uh, they play in their next game is, you know, that, that kid from Florida State, Winston. I mean, I know it's, an, it's a freshman, but, hey, the guy, the kid looked very good. So, I mean, I mean, and, and Florida State's a national contender. So, I, I'll actually, I'll throw Winston in my, in my Heisman candidates. Yeah, Winston is a red shirt. And, and right now, guys, look, Gurley has played two very great teams and everything, but the, at the end of the day, he lost the game, and his running back, that hurt some ways. So right now I have Taj Boyd, number one, with that big win over Georgia, uh, Bridgewater at number two, Mariota at three, Gurley at four, and Seastrunk at five. And Winston will get in there once once he plays another game or two and shows that he can repeat that performance. I mean, this is a, a – Trey, I mean, I don't remember Heisman races that could be this exciting. I mean, this could this could easily be seven people that you could flip a coin on, you know, if it keeps going yeah, like it is. Yeah, it's wide open right now. You know, was, and last year when you and I were doing this and we were talking about it, we couldn't we had trouble week to week coming up with five names that were actually legitimate. I remember getting a lot of hate in the chat room, like, who is this guy you're talking about? This guy's terrible. Uh, but this now, you know, we're five, six, seven players that you can actually legitimately talk about and right now you can you can start the hype. Um but you know, it'll it'll whittle itself down for sure. Well I can honestly say all of these players that I named, I had them in the conversation preseason. So Mariota, Bridgewater, Boyd, Gurley and Seastrunk was my my wild card to watch out for in the Heisman race. But but Trey, I watched Gurley play and Jonathan's right in the chat room. He has lit up Clemson, which they're not a good defense, really, but he was on the road in the primetime game. in South Carolina, you know, the big game this week, this Gurley kid, I mean, I've said it for, you know, the last week or so, he's the best running back in college football. I mean, he's just going to get better every week. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to get a dinner. Yeah, I mean, Gurley has been separating himself for sure with the competition he's played. All right, guys, I don't know if y'all heard this real quick, just a couple minutes. Trey, I don't know if you heard about Oklahoma State and some of the sanctions that are coming out. I think Sports Illustrated is going to break a story about about these guys that have been t- maybe possibly paying players lately. Have you heard about that? I haven't heard anything about that, no. Okay, just keep that under – keep that on mind. Look, look into it a little bit. looks like Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't think it's going to be much come out of it, but – I wish they'd have more information on these stories before they start talking about them. But, but Trey, I know we're about to go. So, do you have a rant this weekend? Yeah, my my rant is is, is don't overreact this week. I saw a lot of people on message boards, a lot of people talking about their team this week, and you know wanting to either bail ship, you know, you know get get off their team's bandwagon. You know, win or lose, they're your team. Win or lose. Uh, it's the fans who uh, who you got to stay with your team. A lot of people in college football were freaking out this weekend to over losses. A lot of USC fans, Tarvin wanting to to throw their allegiance to other teams and that kind of stuff. And you just can't do that as fans, Tarvin. That's that's, that's blasphemy. Uh, if you're a USC fan, you can't you can't jump ship. You, you just got to try to get rid of your coach and 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 keep the keep the ship going. I'm gonna give my rant of the week real quick, and it's guys, you have to get rid of these coaches that are in positions at big-time programs. I'm not talking about coaches at Toledo need to be fired or Western Kentucky or anything, but this is Texas and Southern California, two of the most prestigious colleges in, in the history they have and the legacies they have, the players, the Heisman trophies. Look, Mac Brown needs to go. Lane Kiffin should have never been. So it's it's time to go. Texas needs new blood in there. They need some a new leader to step in 
a younger coach that that has a, a better vision. And look at, I mean, I've always said, guys, that Kiffin was the Band-Aid for Southern Cal. Well, it's healed a little bit better now. Go get a coach. It's a great job. Trey, do you think they would have trouble finding a coach to, to replace Kiffin that, that's not ten times better? I mean, that's a great job to have, Southern California. Oh, yeah, man. It's one of the top five coaching destinations in college football for sure. Uh, so, touchdown, uh, New York Giants just scored. But, um, you know, they're not, they're not having <laughs> an issue getting a coach. Uh, I agree. I mean, go out and get somebody big and – and you can get anybody you want almost if you're Southern California. You could possibly try to get an NFL coach to come and take a job at SD. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Trey, great job as always. Thanks for co-hosting the show, doing a great job. Cuervo, thanks for calling in. Jason Humphrey, thanks, everyone, to listen in the chat room. Uh, don't forget us Wednesday night. I mean, week three of college football, Trey, just to preview a little bit. Auburn opens up against Mississippi State in their SEC play, which is not a big game for the nation, but for me. But Alabama, Texas A&M, Oregon, Tennessee, uh, do you know of any other big games off the top of your head that happened this weekend? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think you hit the ones that I was, uh, I, wasn't, I was knowing. Well, I'm telling you this. I mean, I've said it all, all year, Trey, that Alabama would blow out Texas A&M. But, man, the more I think about it, and after watching Alabama play that game, I I could surprise you Wednesday night with my prediction. Mm, all right, all right. We'll see you on Wednesday then, man. Just to let you know, thanks a lot. 9 o'clock Eastern Wednesday night. Tell everybody, come join us. We're going to have some fun, and we'll see you then. I'm ready for week three, and we'll we'll hit on the Monday night football games and uh, preview week three of college and week two of the NFL. So take care, Trey. Have a good week. Everybody take care.